This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to Line Dance Podcast with Megan Barcelia and Christopher Gonzalez. Today we are continuing our extremely long list of good questions to ask and maybe we'll even tie them in with Line Dance. We're going to start with number 296. What values are most important to you? Oh, well, that's uh, quite the question to begin with. Um, in general, this works as well as specifically tied into line dance. But in general, um, honesty, compassion, communication, those kind of values pretty much sum up what I strive for in my daily, along with uh, being patient with myself and others. Um, I think it's it's really important to put out positivity into this crazy chaotic world. So to specify for line dance related, taking everything I just said, and adding to it, um, certainly someone who chooses to go above and beyond what's expected of them as an instructor or choreographer or DJ really, really makes a difference. Um, I think someone who tries to help out others like leading or coming up with floor, floor splits, I'd have to say three things that stick out in my mind is Joe Thompson Zemanski's never-ending willingness to be welcoming and inclusive really speaks to me. Uh, John Robinson is always given me the impression of being fun and lighthearted and really enjoying his work. And then you have someone like Rachel McEnany White, who is probably one of the hardest working individuals I have ever seen um, or come in contact with. And she has just an astounding ability to work harder than most people I know and have fun doing it. So I think those three individuals have really set a good example for values that I I really appreciate and would like to emulate myself. Um, I would agree with a lot of that, and I guess I would just, I mean, without stating exactly what you did, just kind of sum it up for myself as uh, somebody with strong work ethic, uh, somebody who seeks fun and has a sense of humor, and also tries to bring people together, uh, somebody with a kind of a unity mindset, because we come from so many different walks of life going into events, and even country bars, and 
when we're dancing, we're all doing the same thing, regardless of how different we might be when we go home. So somebody who can keep us all one big unit and also step up when something needs to be done that could be difficult, like doing a performance on Saturday night at an event or going a little bit longer on uh, choreography when it could be easy to just, ah, whatever, five minutes, whip up something and put it out there. When somebody says, no, this is like a really special song. I I think this one deserves a little bit more craft. Uh, The people who do that, the people who, um, when given surprise jobs at some events, just do them because you know everyone benefits the whole event benefits when they do um so yeah work ethic humor unity number 297 what's the best sandwich you've ever had that is an excellent excellent question my taste in sandwiches has changed over time i'm trying to think of if i've had any kind of a sandwich at an event i would say the best sandwich that i've had at an event is the one that i ate when i was hungry that could be any event that's the one that you appreciate the most is the one that you eat when you're hungriest. You definitely summed up that in a logical standpoint, but uh, just food for thought. <laughs> Funny. Um, do ice cream sandwiches count? I was wondering about Oreos myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, so prior to my newest walk of life, my newest season. Um, I, generally speaking, preferred some kind of sourdough roll, several different kinds of cheeses. Uh, generally speaking, the meat selection I used to choose would be something along the lines of roast beef, turkey, and or salami. And then all the veggies, some lettuce, some bell peppers, some uh, banana peppers and tomatoes and onions and all the goodies. And then certainly topped off with oil, vinegar, salt, pepper. Uh, Sometimes I did like a honey mustard or a spicy mustard or something like that. And, uh, yeah, now that I no longer eat meat or dairy, that's, uh, an interesting question. I don't, I don't even remember the last time I actually had a sandwich, peanut butter and jelly. (laughs) Yeah. I used to get meatball sandwiches, but now that we aren't eating meat really eliminates that. But, um, I used to enjoy back when there used to be some kind of deal on them at Subway, I forget what it was like. It was like stamp a certain number of times. You can get like a free sandwich or something like that. I think that's what I used to do. Um, or they had like really cheap six-inch subs. I would get the meatball sandwich with cheese. But all of that is so opposite of what I would get now, unfortunately. Like, um, I know how the meatballs are made and so on. <laughs> um, yeah. I also am glad that you mentioned sourdough because... It kind of blew my mind when I saw burrito bowls. I'm like, all the ingredients are there. Burritos are just a social construction. Mm-hmm. It's it, like a sandwich doesn't have to be. You can just take all the ingredients and eat them separately. 
And it's the same thing. I would never need to make a sandwich and go through all that effort if I just throw it all in a bowl and eat it. But sourdough makes it a little different (laughs) because you wouldn't really tear up a sourdough slice of bread and make it into croutons or something. Unless you're me. (laughs) Unless you're you, apparently. Um, like having that as your bread. See, when I when I get um, or when I have gotten in the past sandwiches that don't focus on the bread at all, but are all about the filling. I think why is this bread even here? Just like protect my fingers or something. But when the bread is part of the experience, like an English muffin or sourdough, then it it's a vital part of the sandwich, and you can't just ignore it or throw it away and have the middle. It's not like a hot dog bun or something. Hot dog buns aren't particularly memorable from the ones I've had. But if anyone has had one that is just amazing, let me know. Not that I can have the hot dog, but, you know, we could put other stuff in it. Anyway, number 298, what's the worst thing you ate from a fast food restaurant? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Nothing comes to mind for me. Thoughts on Taco Bell? Hey, don't knock Taco Bell. Well, I know that you eat that. You've eaten there a lot well, yeah, but I normally stick with the safe bets. <laughs> um, worst thing I've ever eaten from a fast food restaurant? Oh, we had an idea. I, I just had a thought on one that was disappointing. Um, those, they're called McGriddles or something. Um, they're like breakfast sandwiches with the pancake tasting buns. And I like them they're small like they're disappointingly small you think that you're gonna get like a handful of sandwich but they're more like a palm um so quality was fine as far as taste but the size was underwhelming and also in the times in the past when i've had fast food after a long period of not my stomach reminds me that that is the case and everything is a little wibbly yeah your gut bacteria is not happy (laughs) um i honestly can't say worst thing because generally speaking like i said i stick to the safe bets and quote unquote the closest thing to fast food i eat now is amy's drive-thru which is all vegetarian slash vegan options so is it really fast food? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I've had a really bad hamburger or cheeseburger that was not good. I've had some pretty bad fries, I guess, that were massively disappointing. But nothing that's like worse that you would imagine when you hear worse in fast food in the same sentence. Number 299, what's something that I don't know? Um, it, a lot of things specifically, something that you don't know. Um, I don't really know how this, oh, Hey, there you go. I was going to say, I don't know how this question's <laughs> intended to be read. So that's my answer. <laughs> that's funny. I like it. Uh, I, I, I don't know what I don't know. That's part of the problem of not knowing. Neither of us know can't handle me. Yet. Neither of us know can't handle me yet. Uh, 
or sadly when we will be learning it. <laughs> yeah, somehow each day just gets pushed later and later and later. Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of stuff we don't know. Um, for instance, I'm currently in biology class and I'm learning a lot of things I didn't know. Um, I am very grateful to be out of uh, cellular respiration and photosynthesis. Like, I'm glad I learned it, but I'm also very glad to be out of it. I don't know when we'll get to go back to events. Sad panda. Number 300. What profession doesn't get enough credit or respect event directing? There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes people have no idea about. Neither of us have, like, really done it on the scale that, like, the JC events are run or Doug and Jackie's events are run. Like, there are things that you have to prepare for that you just wouldn't even guess are a thing until they don't go right and you're freaking out about them. And it's it's better that the dancers don't know. That can be the job of the event director to figure all that out. So, much credit to them. Yeah, I've I've been behind the scenes enough to know that they definitely don't get enough credit. Uh, that would certainly be the dance-related portion of it. The non-dance-related portion, uh, I would have to sum up to certainly teachers. Teachers definitely don't get enough credit or respect. Um... I would also probably say veterinarian staff members or waitresses and servers. They generally do not get treated very well. So, yeah. Let's get a happy question. What is this? Number 301, what memory of yours feels real but is most likely false? Is there anything that we're misremembering about events or dances? Memory of yours feels real but is most likely false. Well, I was validated recently by watching a video of the, the Kodiak Jacks dancers doing fake ID in our own unique version um, of and phrasing and they did a three-quarter turn during the banana tag and different people do it in different ways some people say always go to the front wherever you are make, make sure you end at the front some people say no it's a half turn some people say no it's a full turn and I always remembered it being done as a three-quarter turn from wherever you start the banana so two of the times I believe it goes to the front and one of the times it goes to the back. But you, either way, you end up on the front of the back because it's a sidewall thing uh, to start it. <clears throat> and there isn't like a lot of evidence that Kodiaks or Mavericks existed online in the form of video. Uh, so it was nice to see a video of them doing it at Kodiaks with the three-quarter turn because then I know I knew that it was really that way and I wasn't just making it up or telling people we should do it that way because I remember it that way regardless of whether anybody else does um, as far as what feels real but is most likely false I, 
I'm going to need more think time on that. Realistically, because emotions play a part in our creation of memories. Generally speaking, we don't just remember words that are said or places that we've been. We have a stimulation of that during recollection. Like, I remember being happy. I remember being sad. I remember being excited to see this. We have some kind of emotion that we typically tie in. So I think that it's very easy to look back and say, you know, the last time I went to, you know, dance event X, Y, or Z, it was amazing off the chain. You know, like we did all these dances and we did all these great things. And, you know, there it's very easy to forget the struggles of, you know, lack of sleep or strained muscles because you've been learning so much or your brain's fried or, you know, any kind of possible less than nostalgic emotion to the whole event so you can sum it up as a excellent time because more often than not you found yourself in a positive emotion. So I think it's very easy if we're playing on that line of thinking to say any of our memories are most likely false uh, because it's all just based on a feeling and then if you go back and you revisit you're trying to get that same high or hit from that feeling um, it's not always the same case and it's very easy after the fact to keep your rose-colored glasses on and only remember the good things um, and that's great because obviously who wants all the negative but there may have been some less than spectacular moment during that trip, whether it be your bags took longer than you wanted to or, you know, you didn't get enough to eat soon enough or rehearsal ran late, so then you had to go and figure out what you're doing in two seconds because, you know, then you had to be back down to the ballroom for some reason because there's a lot of things I remember from a lot of different events that I look back and I'm just so overwhelmed, happy when I think about them. But if I think about them long enough, I'm sure I could find moments in which I was less than happy. So I don't know, maybe that did, did my, my ramblings buy you enough time to think? Are you still still pondering maybe i was thinking about mavericks and how dancing there i can kind of imagine how it felt doing certain dances and in imagining how it felt one would think that maybe i could somewhat accurately imagine how it looked from the outside but if i were to watch videos i would wish that there weren't videos Ooh. <laughs> so it probably didn't look the way that it felt. And I think, um, yeah, however however real it might have seemed from my internal perspective, that may be false from an external perspective. And I think it's better that I never look too too hard for those videos 
and just remember how it felt. You know, I think you've probably hit the nail on the head with that one. Because I remember seeing some videos and going, wow, I have grown as a dancer. And I remember that feeling like I was walking on the moon. Number 302. What's your, and then it got worse, story? (laughs) Picture it. Pikes Peak, Colorado. The night's in. That's all. (laughs) Um, I, okay, yes, definitely. Night's in is one of those. Oh, but wait, there's more is generally what I say. Uh, Yeah, that's definitely, we've had some uh, interesting travel experiences going to and from events. For sure. Um, Some less than reputable establishments have been visited. Uh, Uh, Arriving to the gate to the point where it's not even barely on time, but slightly after time and they had to reopen the doors. Uh, That's one of those kind of mornings where okay, there was a little detour here. Oh, yeah, Google didn't quite give us like a faster route and one thing leads to another and you're asking them to let you in. Yeah, stuff like that, certainly. Certainly, uh, we have a few of those. Um, And I say this with all the love and the excitement and I cannot wait to do it again. Hands down. But uh, I have learned a lot from last year's Vegas about what I can and should not do as an individual on the staff. Um, And I am, again, I look forward to to this year's Vegas. Fingers crossed. Everyone's safe and happy and healthy. We're able to pull it off. I'm very excited. Um... But I, I've definitely, yeah, I made some choices last year. Um, I do intend to sleep this year. Four days of no sleep is probably not the way I'm going to go again. So, yeah. Maybe just minor little asterisk footnotes for these two honorable mentions, but one would be our attempt to choreograph to the song London by Maddie Noyes. And the other one would be hashtag woke pop. Because that was one of the most cynical choreography, I can't even say attempts, because it was like so not an attempt, um, experiences that we've had where we could just feel ourselves just like, mm, okay, let's let's throw in this trendy combination because after all, we're not doing this because we love the dance or the song like i i don't know if the the episode actually is up it was one of our earlier ones that i think that i can think of somebody should look up uh if you're interested you know look up hashtag woke pop or have somebody else describe it to you and you will see what this experiment was all about we were trying to choreograph a dance before the song even debuted so we were really basing it off of um 
just like a snippet of some like BPM on Twitter five second clip. Um, the idea was to kind of replicate the process of choreography that it seemed was going on where people just hear something and then five minutes later pump out a dance we were we were dark and jaded we're much wiser and older than that now we we wouldn't we wouldn't dare to dream that such things happen anymore uh but back then you know our views were what they were so check out that episode somewhere in the lion dance podcast archives Number 303, what was the most amazing physical feat you've managed to pull off? I think anytime I get really, really airborne, like I was going to say hi, but like that's not what I do in line dance. I get airborne, that's a difference. Um, and land exactly on the beat, especially when there's a hold of instrumentation, no music. And you don't know that you're going to hit. And then you do. And it, it, it's very satisfying. Two of the songs in which that has a potential of happening are Skinny Love by Birdie. Uh, Dance is by Roy Hittis Broto and Raymond Sarlemagne. There's a quiet part and then it resumes. Also, Showstopper, song by Brandon and Leah and... Dance by Scott Blevins and Joe Thompson Smansky. There's a part that gets quiet and then it jumps back in with, I think, the humana 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 part, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's after the tag. Most amazing feat. Um, I do have to credit being able to learn any of the dances. I have since learned, um, especially certain ones that maybe have uh, been quite the process and struggle. Uh, I'm thinking most specifically two that come to mind, one being do something crazy and the other being get out of the kitchen or get out the kitchen, sorry. Um, Those have been... At some point in my life, milestone markers for what I can and cannot accomplish as a dancer. So I'm grateful for that as a, a f- amazing feat that I'm able to keep pushing through. And I've actually grown as a dancer. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I mean... Windy City all night. Yeah, Windy City all night. Certainly something. Uh, dancing with a dislocated hip is probably pretty talented. Is that medically advised? No, absolutely not medically advised. But, you know, do as I say, not as I do, right? (laughs) And you did say do something crazy. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, stuff like that, I think. I mean, I certainly uh, don't trust myself to land appropriately, so I leave the aerodynamics to you. Uh, Yeah. When you mentioned milestone dances, I think one that I would have to give a special shout-out to is Broken Heart, choreographed by Virginie Barjaud and danced with her dance team, which I believe is 
known as wanted. That was an exercise in speed, fitting lots of movements into not a lot of time and having to learn that on my own. At the time, I would say that was definitely a, a physical feat, especially since I was learning it in Cloverdale where the temperature was like over 100 de degrees the entire time I lived there for, I guess it was about a month. Um, and yeah, uh, for Windy City, in case anybody hasn't heard this from previous episodes, we danced with JP as DJ until open dance started the next morning. So it just really continued uh, from evening to dawn to whenever it was they stopped open dance in that room and uh, one one of these examples broken heart is more about blasting a lot of energy in one dance and the other one is about stretching it across like half a day pretty much showdown the 11 11 mashup followed by Broken Heart or vice versa order. That was quite the stretch of pure stamina for dancing for me at that time. That was quite, I didn't think I would be able to pull it off and uh, I was able to. So I give myself mass credit for that. Yeah. Number 304, what's the most annoying thing about the social media platform you use most often? I haven't experienced this much lately because I've been avoiding Facebook as much as I can in the past month or so uh, since I had intended to deactivate for my birthday. And actually, did I do it then? You did. I did. did. Or then I reactivated, when was it, like after 4th of July or something like that? Yeah, I've, I've been staying off it as much as I can, but... One of the things that I used to see a lot more often that maybe I see less of now is the simulta simultaneous posting of, say, a step sheet to every line dance group all at once. It doesn't even matter what the thing is um, that's being shared. I wouldn't want to see it if it's flooding my notifications and bumping other people's stuff off of there. It's not like, wow, there's there are so many of these posts, it must be something good. I better click on it. It's definitely more like this is inconvenient. I already have a negative association with this post, whatever it might end up being. So I don't want to know anything more about it. So that would be my line dance related annoying thing about the social media platform I use most often. Although that would have been what I used most often then. What I use most often now I mean if you consider reddit social media there's nothing line dance on there like nobody really uses it for that um, Instagram maybe I occasionally well I used to see some tutorial quick teaches on there and I, I I've rejiggered my follows and I, I'm following more like biochemistry stuff now just out of curiosity and like mushrooms mycologists and other things that aren't as dance related so i don't really see that as much um anymore either but they're really even then before before i started doing that there weren't that many line dance things i would see and the things most of the things that i would see weren't really what i would call annoying they were just sort of like here's what's going on in this other part of the world and what they're dancing to so 
I don't think I would really have an answer other than Facebook um, for this question. So line dance related, I can get behind the mass spamming of groups and posts and whatnot. That's, I mean, a couple I get getting it out there makes sense. But every single thing that has dance or line dance in the title as a group does not need the same step sheet because chances are we all follow the same ones. Um, With that said... I would have to say I'm actually very I've I'm finding that Instagram is a lot more positive than Facebook. I have been able to really focus on what I want to see and what I don't want to see on Instagram and filter it out a lot easier than say Facebook. Uh, with Facebook, non-line dance related, which even, you know, since 90% of my friends are line dancers on Facebook, I guess it kind of counts too. Um, I have a hard time with the unresearched reposting. Uh, so the inaccuracy of information that is spread is a little bit hard for me as well as the biggest thing that I have the hardest time with in any form of media is the keyboard bullies. There's no reason to be mean and name call and be just blatantly disrespectful and disregard of the fact that the other person on the side of that conversation, regardless of what you may feel, how open or closed their mind is, is still a human with emotions and feelings. And there's no reason, no reason to go that route. Um, You can absolutely 100% positively disagree with whatever I am saying or anyone else is saying, but I, I don't like name calling. There's, it, it's the quickest way for me specifically to stop listening to whatever you have to say is when you go there. And I might actually agree with what you're saying. I just, the second name calling or mudslinging or just, abuse happens I just I can't handle it and so I generally try and doctor my posts to avoid that specifically Um, and I try and support those who are able to hold a conversation of disagreement in a polite and respectful manner, I try and really support them and their views because I like how they have worded what they're trying to say, regardless of if I agree with it or not. Yes. Two other things that came to mind were on Facebook and on YouTube, respectively. Facebook allows you to tag a bunch of people in a post, even if they're not in the post in any way whatsoever. 
I, for one, do not like being tagged in things that I'm not actually in. If it's a group photo and I'm in the photo, then cool. Like, hey, it's me. I'm in the photo. Or, hey, I choreographed this dance with three other people and here's the step sheet for it. And I'm one of those people. Like, great. Then I get to see things in the comments about this thing that I'm part of. But when it's not related to me at all and it says you and 99 other people or however many were tagged in a post and it's just somebody getting the word out about whatever let's say it's an event like i don't know hey we're, we're gonna go dancing at this place this bar and you and all these people are tagged in the post why not just create a facebook event and invite me to the event so that then i can add it to my events that are coming up and so on i'm not at the event yet I am being invited to it and you want me to be aware of it, but being tagged in it implies that I am in some way already involved. And then I just end up removing myself and removing the tag from the post. I am not for it. I think there are other ways to use Facebook's features that can share your step sheet without having 99 other people tagged on that step sheet. Because again, it just makes me remove the tag and not click it. Uh, YouTube, you're mentioning misinformation. YouTube has this great way of um, enabling large numbers of people to see something like a dance done in some part of the world. And unfortunately, it does not have any way because <laughs> it's all, I mean, billions of these videos go up all the time. So there's no one on YouTube in the back room is going to be looking up to say, oh, hey, that's not that dance. This is this other dance. It's just been given this other name. Well, the best I can do when I see that happen, when I see something uploaded with the wrong name for the dance, is comment about it and hope somebody cares to read it. But they can't force the person to change the name. They just have to hope that maybe they want the correct information to be out there so they'll see the comment be like oh okay i should change that mostly it doesn't happen and if you get one it's like a germ where if you have this one thing i'm, I'm trying to avoid calling it a bad idea but it's like if you look up the the term meme like before meme became synonymous with like humor images or whatever it was supposed to be a unit of cultural information in the way that a gene is a unit of genetic information. You can have a meme like this is the name of the dance that you're seeing in the video and have it just die there through natural selection when 12 other videos that show up have the correct pairing. Those will be selected for survival and spreading. And then the one incorrect one will be shamed out of existence. But sometimes that pairing, if it runs with no competition out into the open and reaches the right influencer of a person, it can spread. And then a bunch of people see this wrong thing and spread it further and it just gets out of control like a germ but for the mind so 
that would be, I guess, uh, an annoying thing about the social media platform YouTube, since I use it so often, um, that I've isn't really a problem of YouTube, but is just a person thing that YouTube facilitates, I guess. Meh. I just like there to be consistency. I, I understand that people call things different things in different places. Hashtag regional variations. But I also like when we're all trying to do something together, like line dance, when we're able to agree on certain things, central core things. If it becomes too splintered, then we're not really doing it together anymore. Number 305. Hey, Mr. Worldwide. 305. Dale. If you were hired to show tourists what life is really like where you live, I believe Pitbull lives in Miami, uh, what would you show them slash have them do? Normally, I'd say come visit us at Hot Monk and Twin Oaks on Thursday nights if they want to see what line dance is like in Sonoma County. But uh, now, dance-wise, tourists coming here, prepare them to put on a mask. Generally, prior COVID... I would like to say that uh, one of the things we do when, uh, I guess I say we, uh, I've been involved with it once so far, but there was plans for a second time until COVID hit. Uh, Wine Country Line Dance likes to let their, take their guest instructors for their workshops on wine tasting slash just scenery tours of our area because it is quite beautiful out here and you get to see at least the scenery of our day-to-day stuff and realistically our day-to-day stuff is probably the same day-to-day stuff that is everywhere it's day-to-day stuff um but yes as for in our area specifically, line dance related, I would certainly say, you know, take them to Hot Monk and Twin Oaks, take them to uh, Stoney's Rock and Rodeo in Sacramento, um, stuff like that would certainly be important because that's where we dance out here. So things like that, uh, bring them to a wine country line dance social on one of the Sundays, um, maybe hit up some of the places in San Francisco because the one thing I've noticed about our particular two-hour driving radius, because that's kind of our standard, is there is something for everyone in all different walks of life, in all different dance styles uh, in our area. So I think that's probably one of the most diverse options and something that I'm very proud to be a part of. Uh, In the Bay Area, you have uh, some classics, you have some partner dancing, you have some places that, you know, will, you know, incorporate both. You know, in our area, we have very heavily emphasized beginner 
um, options. And then, you know, Sacramento offers all ranges of difficulty, all, you know, your, your typical, what you would think of as a bar dance, partner dance to, you know, some very intense dances that we have seen on the circuit. And you have typically a younger crowd at Stoney's, whereas some of these other crowds like our Hot Monk Twin Oaks people are young kids up to, you know, what you would associate as, you know, 60s, 70s maybe, you know, so, you know, a huge range there and again, like I said, people from all walks of life and it's, uh, yeah, I'd probably be about it. Granted, nowadays it's welcome to my living room, which you've seen online if you've watched one of my teaches or welcome to the studio that I used to teach at if you've seen one of my teaches online so you have an idea of what it's like here. Number 306. What would be the most unsettling thing to keep occasionally finding around your house? Dance related? Unsettling thing. Maybe like a single sock? <laughs> like a single dance shoe? Yeah. Or like pieces of the bottom of your shoe. Like let's say you have uh, suede bottoms and you keep finding little bits of suede everywhere. I think it would be even worse if you haven't been dancing in those shoes. <laughs> when, who's dancing in my shoes all around my house? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I think I'd have to go with that. Yeah. Oh, and maybe... If you're the kind of person who prints out a bunch of step sheets to use as like a checklist for which dances to learn, when you keep finding that stack, moving to different rooms of the house, but never getting used, like you bring the step sheets and like a glass of water into a room and you think, I'm going to, I'm going to buckle down. I'm going to go over some of these dances and then you get distracted by something and then you come back like two days later and you're like, boy, that water sure evaporated quickly and none of these dances have been learned. And the, the, the pile just goes around everywhere to the car. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to learn in a parking lot. I'm going to bring these step sheets with me. I'm going to go to a parking lot and you find the step sheets then on your way to grocery shop. You think, oh, I better move these out of the way since they're still here since I learned nothing. That would be unsettling. Shows you how how much time you think you have to learn these dances. Number 307. What nicknames do you have for people in your life? Well, some of them are very, very personal and I'm not going to share, but others are, um, I guess technically mom is a nickname. Um, I do have a nickname for my littlest brother, um, I have all of my best friends have a nickname of some sort, ranging from one brain, wifey, Batman, sissy, red. I mean, <laughs> all kinds of nicknames like that. Um, you know, I, I, I call my supervisor at work boss lady. So I guess stuff like that. 
only one that comes to mind since I don't call Miss Joe Thompson Samansky mom. Uh, although I, I don't know whether she's both of our adopted mom or just yours. But oh, uh, Unk for Ruben because he is our dance uncle. And yes, you, uh, I don't know how often I, I call Brenda uh, Chateau dance and, but. I know that that is what she is. So if I wanted to call her that, she would not think it weird. Uh, or if she did, then she would accept it because that's what a good aunt does. <laughs> uh, other than that, the only person that comes to mind is John Robinson because I've roomed with him so many times that I can call him Rumi. He's an excellent person to room with uh, when you're on staff at an event. Let us see what is next. Number 308. What does the opposite sex do that you wish you could do, but it's not anatomically feasible or it's socially frowned upon? <sighs> I would like to wear flowier dance clothes, but they don't make those for guys, and I think that they should. Oh, and fun colors. You could wear fun colors. Chad Robinson has purple pants. Well, purple shorts. But I want, I want flowy, fun colors. You could wear those. It's line dancing. I think pretty much that would be acceptable. Again, the problem is who's going to make these things for me? I want to float like a butterfly. Does that mean I need to sting like a bee? <laughs> uh, I I have no idea. I guess. I don't know. Oh my gosh, I, I'm trying to think of like what I wish I could do that I've seen male dancers do. I kind of, I you know, maybe I'm speaking for you here, but I think everyone wishes they could do what Fred can do. Well, yes, but I also wish I could do what Rachel could do. So um, I think I would love, because the two people of the, male gender that come to mind when I think about this. I wish that I could have that strong rooted look when dancing certain dances the way Darren and Fred do. Um, they have this way that they dance that is just it's a it's a very powerful, strong, like they are rooted in their movement and then they turn around and the next moment they're so pretty and graceful and like just gliding across the floor. Um, and it's like, I could attempt the glidey bit. I, could, I, I feel like I could possibly achieve that. But there's a certain level that I think Darren and Fred just get that and generally I think most people would refer to it as like a masculine look um I, I think the closest person that I've seen be able to pull off that strong look um that it, it's so hard to describe it's just it's it's graceful in its movement but there's no denying the presence. I guess that's what I'm looking for. Like it's a very strong presence that they pull off. And 
Rachel has that. Like there is no denying when Rachel is on the floor. Like she just has this essence about her. And there's something about Fred and Darren that I always catches my eyes that I wish that I could emulate somehow in my own way uh, that they do. But I guess that's the closest I could say. Another one occurred to me, uh, similar to the clothes, and it is smelling pretty. Where I like my cologne, I like my Old Spice deodorant, but there are times when I'm sniffing the shampoo and uh, deodorants in some department store or Target or whatever, and I think, oh, that's so nice. I just want to smell that all the time. And it would be easiest to smell it all the time if you just open up your collar and sniff down your own shirt. But I think people would be very confused when they see somebody as macho and um, tough and rugged as I am. And I smell like honeysuckle and dragon fruit. I don't think that I don't think that they would take well to that. Uh, and they'd have a lot of questions. And I don't necessarily want to answer those questions. Be like, yes, I am tough, tough and rugged and macho. But, uh, you know, I like to smell delightful. So you get a little of everything with me. I don't see a problem with this because I buy Old Spice deodorant specifically because I like the smell of it. And I don't care if it's quote unquote a man's deodorant. It smells good and I want to smell like that. One of my favorite ever shampoos smelled like coconut. It was like $3 suave giant bottle. It lasted me all freshman year of college. And I smelled like a pina colada. (laughs) Just in time for college. Number 309. While Megan collects herself. How much do you plan slash prepare for the future? I used to. And now it's just today, every day. (laughs) Well... That depends. Do does daydreaming count as plans? I'd say it's more of hopes. But isn't all plans hopes that are just nicely organized? That's why I don't plan anymore. <laughs> um I would say that I like to plan a lot. I just don't necessarily execute said plans. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking, well, sometimes we plan and prepare, like when we pack for events, and then I remember the way that we pack for events, <laughs> which is very much throw things in a bag and hope for the best, like the hour before we have to leave. Maybe that's just me. I don't know if it's you. Uh, we do plan for events in the sense of knowing whose merchandise we are going to wear and sometimes we'll go as far as on what days, depending on what classes we plan to take, because then we'll know, oh, if I'm going to be in this class, I want to wear that person's shirt. So we are sure to pack those and not others. Mm. Oh, we also plan for events in the sense of learning certain dances because we want to do those there, whether they're the dances of choreographers who are on staff or just ones that we would really like to do on a nice floor. Mm. Note that I haven't said anything about money. We are not known for our planning and preparation when it comes to money. But it all somehow comes together. 
one way or another. Any other thoughts on this one? Um, I am certainly one that likes to think I plan more than I do. I can uh, probably attest to that because I can plan to have a flight home. <laughs> now, did I book said flight home? And if so, where is the confirmation number for said flight? <laughs> so, yeah, there's that. Um, I have since learned, by the way. <laughs> it, it doesn't take a whole lot of lessons sometimes for me to, like, really get to a lesson. Yeah. Um, I do think that we plan very thoroughly Again, how often do we execute said plan? Because I know we've had lists of dances that we're going to learn prior to an event. And we have maybe, maybe touched the first two or three when we have just so many, so many. I think we've done good, but uh, still, uh, I do know that we are getting better at planning food in the last few weeks for certain things we've done. So I am hopeful for the next dance event, having worked out a few of the kinks of the planning of the food uh, for local things. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that that'll work out. Yeah, there have been times when we just show up at whatever the location is and say, oh, well, we'll just casually go to the supermarket and that'll be how we get our food and we don't take into account whether there's uh, a supermarket nearby or whether it will be easy or quick to get some kind of rideshare service to us and we don't at all budget for that rideshare service in the overall cost of the food so we just think well it'll be cheaper to get groceries instead of have something delivered sometimes maybe it actually is cheaper to get it delivered but we wouldn't know because we've never done the planning and put it all in a spreadsheet to see the actual cost. It all just sort of works out or doesn't. And then we find out and it's all part of the adventure. Yeah. Well, we've got about a minute and a half left. Uh, well, I'll throw this one out there. We might have time. What do you hate most and love most about your car? I love the uh, miles per gallon that I get uh, in my Honda Civic. Gets me where I need to go. We've done lots of road trips, and I can't think of a hate most, so I'll hand it over to you. I'll come back to the hate. Um, I love my car, and I hate my car because I abuse my car, and she keeps going, and yet she still struggles. <laughs> um, I, I've definitely got a lot of quirks with my particular vehicle. She is not a young child anymore. Um she is yeah she, she she's she's over 20 years old and uh, she's certainly showing it uh she's not quite as uh, shiny as she once was and things don't quite work the way they used to she's a little bit trouble starting here and there um but she keeps going uh I thought of one, it's a beige car, so it gets camouflaged easily in parking lots, and sometimes it's hard to find. 
Also, it's not the roomiest because it's so small and fuel efficient, and it's hard to get a bike in there, much less two. If we were ever to go to, say, a drive a drive to a dance event or a bar and want to bike around all day, we'd have to maybe hold the bikes out the window. All right. Well, thank you for joining us at Line Dance Podcast. This has been Megan Brestelier and Christopher Gonzalez. Until next time, thank you for tuning in. We will see, see you on, on the, the dance, dance floor. floor.